The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, we say good morning to Deepika DeMarla, Mississauga City Councilor. Laura Babcock is here from Power Group Communications. Rob Davis live in studio, I might add, because I don't get to see a lot of my panelists anymore. Former Toronto City Councilor and founder of Rob Davis Associates. Uh, let's start with the uh, talk that actually affects well, pretty well everybody, but especially uh, Dipika. We have Doug Ford reportedly set to reverse himself on the dissolution of Peel Region. So Dipika, I have no idea what your stand on the idea of breaking up Peel Region into Mississauga, Brampton, and Caledon being freestanding cities, but this is quite a change of course. Oh, is it ever? And, you know, I'll say that, let me just begin by saying that, you know, whatever we do, we have to keep the taxpayer in mind. I mean, standing up for your taxpayer, property taxpayer in particular, is key. But, you know, the only thing I want to say to the provincial government is whatever decision you make, please, please make it evidence-based and on good quality evidence. So my concern here is, is that Brampton is saying that there's going to be all these crazy tax increases, but what's the evidence? No one has seen the report that Brampton is talking about. No one. I mean, how can you make a decision based on a report that's not even public? So that's my first thing. And then the second thing that I can tell you that I know is that this hypothetical report is supposed to be an updated version of the original report, which was in 2019, the Deloitte report. The problem with the original 2019 Deloitte report, and this is really important to understand, the problem with that report is that it was commissioned explicitly with the outcome known, like the report was commissioned with the with the expectation or the brief that the outcome has to be that the region of Peel is the best option of three. So the status quo is the best option. So this is a torqued report in a way because you sort of had the outcome first. So we have to keep that in mind. And now that's been updated, but we haven't seen the updated numbers. So yes, absolutely. Whatever decision has to be made, best interest of the taxpayer for sure but let's get the right evidence the other thing i want to say is that there is a transition board in place and the mandate of the transition board john very interestingly is not just the dissolution of peel but the dissolution of peel in such a manner that the three successor municipalities are fiscally sustainable right so let so my thing is let the transition board do its job if at the end of the day they find the transition is sustainable right if they think the transition isn't fiscally sustainable well that will be their recommendation to the provincial government that it's not sustainable so my only thing here is whatever decision we make should be made using good evidence uh, good data and the last thing i'm going to say when we talk about fairness is that Mississauga makes up 48% of the region of Peel's population, but we pay 60% of the region of Peel's taxes. So right. whatever decision the provincial government makes, I hope they keep that in mind. Okay, Rob Davis, there's kind of a through line here. You are, or were, a pre-amalgamation Toronto City Council. Absolutely. So, you know, the argument that things work better by pushing things together, not necessarily provable. Well, l listen, um, for taxpayers listening at home who live in Peel region, ask yourself this, these questions. Is it cheaper to have 
three fire chiefs or one fire chief? Is it cheaper to have four CAOs or one CAO? Like the logic that is being presented is such that it's much better to break something up and to have multiple uh, CAOs and multiple chiefs of police and multiple chiefs of a, of a, of a fire department, and that's just not the case. Um, you know, there was a report that we might get into later on about math. Well, the simple fact of that is the math doesn't, doesn't work. Um, and if it did work, you'd have all sorts of large, big conglomerates like uh, Bell Canada or uh, Bell Canada Enterprises breaking up. There's a reason why companies like to consolidate. There's cost savings. There's opportunity uh, to to uh, to lever your, uh, some benefits from one organization to another. And I think I think you're, I would be more inclined to see the city of Peel rather than seeing Peel broken up. I mean, there are our police officers and paramedics. They're all worried about their job. There's 10,000 employees of the region of Peel who are on edge because they don't know if they're going to have a job next year or not. And I think, um, you know, as per the conversation we've had weeks before, you know, it's it's never uh, too late to do the right thing. And perhaps the premier is realizing that the numbers don't add up and that maybe having uh, fewer Chiefs and fewer, and and when I say that, I mean chiefs of police and fire chiefs, um, is better than having more, and is is more cost effective for taxpayers. So if you're a taxpayer, you live in Peel, ask yourself that question: Is it better to have four mayors or one mayor? Is it more is it more financially responsible to pare things down and to and to amalgamate, or is it better to break things up and have more people with more fiefdoms? Well, Laura Babcock, maybe I can be accused of being naive on this front. I can't quite figure out why we can't have one police department, one fire department, uh, water, waste, all that stuff, and then just divvy it up according to the number of citizens each individual town has. Yeah, it can be done. I mean, this whole conversation is sounds is giving me PTSD from the amalgamation <laughs> of Hamilton Wentworth. I swear to God, 23 years, and we are still fighting in this area since the region collapsed and Hamilton accrued a bunch of other communities that didn't want to be part of Hamilton. And council still has not figured out the question around area rating, right? Who pays for what? So, uh, John, it, it's complex. The transition board at the time did their best, I'm sure, in Hamilton, uh, but it, it never quite resolved. Solved and it's caused all kinds of fractions. And in fact, it's caused uh, the city to not be able to move forward on a host of projects because of this constant internecine fighting between the former municipalities and the current city and everything else. So, you know, tread carefully uh, to the councillor's point, make it evidence-based in terms of the taxpayers. But I just have to add one little note on this. I mean, we have seen this premier be mercurial. Uh, the timing of this changing a deathbed promise to Hazel McCallion uh, as soon as Bonnie becomes, you know, his his official rival, it looks terrible. So I don't trust that this government's going to put forward a business case for this that's anything other than politically driven, similar, similar to what we've seen with the Science Centre, and we'll find out today about Ontario Place but, from but the it, AG. Yeah, but a deathbed promise is not based on empirical evidence. That's an emotional thing that, that Doug Ford said to Hazel McCallion and then publicly right. so talked don't, about it. So don't make those... So don't make those. Don't right. don't make and promises, Doug Ford, if you're not going to keep them. Well, uh, and that, and my point earlier is that it's never too late to do the right thing. He's also arguing, apparently, that he John, visited Hazel McCallion on her deathbed more than Bonnie Crombie did. I thought, I don't know that that's the greatest case. <laughs> John, if I, if I may just, I just want to rebut something, though, because the idea that bigger is always better is problematic, because if that's the idea, why have cities in Ontario? Just make it the big city of Ontario. So, you know, there's a sweet spot, and it's really important to recognize that it's not always bigger is better or smaller is better. 
Let's look for the evidence. And I think there's some misinformation here in terms of, uh, you know, three CAOs or there's already three CAOs because there are three successes. There's actually, there's actually four CAOs. Sorry, oh, what exactly. is the CAO? Chief, administra- Chief okay. Administrative Officer. Peel has one, Kaladin has one, Brampton has one, and Mississauga has one. There's actually four. See what I mean, John, about the PTSD? This stuff never ends. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, believe me, I got here after amalgamation, so I don't have the, uh, the wounds. Ooh. I promised I was going to play this, and so let's just jump to this topic next. And this is a traffic reporter on television. And somebody wrote in that she was wearing stupid big pants and they could tell she was pregnant. And she decided, you know what, I'm tired of this crap. Just going to respond to an email that I just got uh, saying congratulations on your pregnancy. If you're going to wear old bus driver pants, you have to expect emails like this. So thanks for that. Um, No, I'm not pregnant. I actually lost my uterus to cancer last year. And um, this is what women of my age look like. So if it is offensive to you, that is unfortunate. Wow. Think about the emails that you sent. Precisely. And Laura Babcock, you're a woman in media, and it's more women than men who get this kind of stuff. But I'm always stunned at, like, the texts and tweets and other communications that I receive from people I don't know who think that they can start hurling insults like that. It is so cruel out there, John, way crueler than it was even when I was a reporter. But I remember when I had a TV show, I had a certain mayor's assistant try to get me off the air because my um, chest was too large, apparently. And I have had people call me horse face because of my Duchenne smile. And, uh, you know, God forbid someone see what I actually look like without makeup out there. <laughs> get destroyed as a 51-year-old mother of two. Um, it's brutal. And people think that, that they own you because you are in their phone or in their TV screen. They don't. And I'm so proud of her for, for slapping back on this. Uh, we need to do more of it. But we were taught we couldn't. We were taught just to suck it up. I would get letters about the color of my lipstick calling me all kinds of terrible names that start with a W. Um, This is going back 25 years from an old lady who wrote me a letter. So, I mean, you know, it it happens and it's good for her for standing up to it. Yeah, Rob, I I think a lot of this has to do with the ease that people have. Like somebody can send me a text in five seconds if they feel like it. And what cracks me up is sometimes the same person sends me the same text for like three hours telling me how horrible I am. Uh, But women more than men get this kind of assessment. It is an unfair... Uh, we're in an unfair situation. Women do get it more. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with uh, Joe Cristiano earlier. We said, well, if, if a guy says to another guy, nice haircut, he doesn't mean it. He means to, it means it's meant as an insult, but but it means something different when you're commenting on the looks of a woman. You know, the, the feminists will talk about the male gaze and how men are judging women um, in, in terms of their value is strictly based on how they look. But but let's also be clear. You know. Um, they don't put ugly folks like me on television, right? Like people are on television because they're not only good at their job, but they also present well and they're attractive. And that attractiveness... Not all of us. Well, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I am not... Uh, I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth. I don't need emails, and uh, I don't need to be canceled this week. But, but, but in all seriousness, uh, folks, it's television and it's entertainment. And for a, for a lot of people, they are they are hired in part because of the way they look. And there are a few people who break that 
mold or break that stereotype and they, they have a different body shape than is traditional and they're doing great work and we all know who they are but it's rare and you know it, it's she's both a, she both benefits because of her from her looks and she is a victim of people judging her and so it's it's I think it's just more complicated than we are making it out but good for her for striking back um, last last point uh, we had a, a similar incident in the city of Brampton uh, former city councilor Charmaine Williams, now a cabinet minister, was getting like just lots of abuse hurled at her on on Facebook and on Twitter. And so our approach, when I was providing advice to her, was uh, we did our own version of mean tweets. So we did a video where she read out every single insult, and at the end she said, "And now we know where kids learn." how to abuse people online. And then she spun it into the pink shirt day cause of fighting cyberbullying. So my hope is that the response from this on-air personality is that she'll turn it into something positive and help uh, empower people who are victims of cyberbullying and online bullying so that we have the conversation that we're having today. Thank you all. Great talk. Deepika DeMarilla and uh, Rob Davis, along with Laura Babcock. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.